guys all right? I'm good. Don't you worry about me. Don't you worry about me. You know, there's a reason that, uh, that men are who they are. There's something unique that God has put in each one of us, and there's that rough, tough guy, and then there's that part that, uh, well, I've yet to see a man standing at the front of a wedding giving his daughter away and say, we're good. I just haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it in 60-something weddings. I haven't seen it. Oh, by the way, kids, uh, you got to see a great video. Uh, let's go finish up BBS next door. Uh, so uh, anyway, sorry about that. <clears throat> you know, there's all different kinds of emotions that comes with fathers and Father's Day. I completely get it. Some of us have had fantastic fathers and fantastic experiences, and some, some of us have felt like we've done a pretty good job. Some of us feel like we've totally blown it. Some of us have never met dad. Some of us have lost dad. Some of us crave dad. It's all over the spectrum. But the one thing that I do know about men is that men like to win. Now, not that everybody doesn't like to win, but men like to win. I mean, it's why they go to the woods. It's one of the reasons. It's why they join the military. It's why they get on athletic teams. Honestly, in this day, and it's a little different. I didn't grow up this way, but there are men in this room that are like this. They like to go to a, a, a video game, and, and it's with, with uh, two or three other friends. And they want to win. Even if it's just for a second, we want to win. Now, here's the struggle. And we're going to go through a lot of things really quick, but I want you to get a couple of key points before we get through this today. Every human in this place, every human online that's watching today has messed up. It's reality. We have messed up. The habit of teaching on Father's Day is to, is to really have a laugh and to make fun, uh, in a sense, of dads and then, you know, kind of try to bend them back in the right direction. And what I want to do today is try to cheer you in the right direction because I believe God has given you a purpose and me a purpose that is bigger than what most of us realize and most of us in the way that we actually live this out. The challenge, I think, is, uh, well, men, we, we do give our wives, we do give our children uh, a lot to laugh at. I mean, our jokes can be ridiculous. I mean, I hadn't heard the mom's joke yet because... I don't know if there is one or not, but for the dads, they're usually pretty terrible. But we give them a lot to laugh about. Um, but let's be honest, no human likes to fail. We weren't created that way. God didn't create us in his image so that we would desire to just be okay and just fail. We're go-getters, we're go-afterers, we're make-it-happens kind of people because, well, that's the way our God is. Did you ever notice where God failed? So we were created in his image. So guess what his purpose is for us? Not to fail. Now, let's go on a little further. Now, here's a struggle for so many men and their fathers. So many times the mistakes we make, the things that happen in our lives, there's not a big enough eraser for it. And because of that, we don't know what to do once that's happened. Usually we cower down in a corner. Sometimes we, we just let mom take it and just go because we don't feel like we've got anything to give anymore. We've messed up so bad with a child that we feel like we've got nothing else to add. So we just step back. We step out of the picture. We may still be in the family and in the marriage, but we step out of the picture. That's why in most cases, and literally I ran into a man a couple of weeks ago, and what he said to me blew my mind. He is a, a, a volunteer associate pastor at a local church here. 
in, uh, in Madison County or Madison, somewhere in this area. I don't remember what, where the, exactly the church was. But uh, he had a shirt that said he was part of a men's ministry. And I'm like, man, that's cool. I love men's ministry. It's so good. And he said, you don't know half the story. He stopped me like, just like that. He said, you don't know half the story. He said, less than a year ago, our church was me and my pastor and all women. Because every man had stepped away. We decided there was something that was important that needed to happen. He said, so I stepped up, I came alongside my pastor, and we have done whatever it took to begin to get men back in our church to do things that, 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 uh, that, that meet them where they are and help them grow to where God wants them to be. And he said, praise God, a year and a half later, we have 20 men and 20 women in our church. You know? That's awesome. That's where our hearts need to be. That's where my heart is for you in this. Some fathers in this room are just trying to keep a marriage going or to keep it going well. And that's a struggle. So sometimes we take a back seat because of it. Some of us feel like we've basically abandoned our kids because we've messed up somewhere along the road. Some of us are struggling with addictions that we just can't seem to defeat. Some of us have gotten into trouble, maybe even with the law, and it haunts us. And it's been haunting us for, for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, and we can't get past it for whatever reason. Uh, some of us just want to be able to take care of our families financially, but we cannot seem to get ahead. Every time we get an inch ahead, we feel like we fall thousands of dollars behind and we can't take care of our families. It just feels like that. So many in our area, and as I look across this room, those of you who have served in the military, and thank you for your service, but so many of those things that you brought home continue to affect your life even today. And so there's a struggle there. Some have jobs that require them to be out of town more than you would ever desire. But I, wanna, I want you to know the good news in this. The good news that I see is this. Through the power of Jesus, the same song you just sang, the same one that makes us ask that question, what have I done to deserve this? That's what that song says to me. What, how, how can I say thanks for something that I don't even feel like I deserve? That's who we feel like we are. But through the power of Jesus, there's more than just a, a wish or a hope so or a sure would be nice kind of opportunity that things can be different. There's actually a promise from the Lord that for those who are in Christ, there's a different kind of hope. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open it up. Men, if you don't have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. Whether it's uh, on your phone or on a tablet or, or uh, one of those old-fashioned paper books like this. <laughs> I just want you to have it. If you don't have it, we put it up on the board for you today. We may do a test next week and not have any scripture up there just so you got to read it, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Probably my number two favorite scripture in all the Bible. This is it. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, I remember memorizing this years and years ago. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Become, uh, behold, I have made all things new. Now, let's go back a few verses to see where that therefore. So, therefore, anyone who is in Christ. So, there's a transition that's going to something that's happened. And then it's like, this is where this goes from there. The first part of the chapter, Paul is talking about how the believers have been completely changed by God. Therefore, if you move on a little bit further, the Holy Spirit is present, moving in them, 
And that because of the Holy Spirit's presence in their lives, God's put a special calling on their lives. So then he says, therefore, this is what happens. Because you are in Christ, you have been made new. The old is gone. The new has come. Now, there's some things that need to be explained in this to help us understand it. But let's go backwards before we go forward just a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 13. And I love this because it seems so appropriate for dad jokes. Just hear this. If it seems we are crazy, we're not, most of us are not, but if it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. If we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. That's for the man who is in Christ. That's who we're talking to specifically today. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. Verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating ourselves from a human, view, from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. Therefore, you see where that goes? It's so different when you think about it like that. So by the power of Jesus, we can rightly claim this truth from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And this is kind of my, in a nutshell, and this is the way this, this plays out in my life. It's number one on your outline. That is who we were. It is not who we are. In Christ, that's who I was, but that's not who I am because Christ has changed me. And this truth is truth for every human being who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. That's who I was. That is not who I am. So back to verse 17, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ. Well, there's only one way to be in Christ. It's when we admit that we'll never meet the mark that Christ has set before us. It's when we realize that Christ is the only way we admit that need. We ask for his forgiveness. We ask for him to take over. Man, if you want to win in your home, if you want to win with your children, you've got to let go of you and let Christ take the reins in your life. It's the only way that it will work. Charles Ryrie, one of the first Bibles I ever remember having, big old, thick, chunky Bible. Some of you probably have them still today. It was only available in the New American Standard Bible at the time. But he says this about this. The key word to him in this passage is about the idea of environment. For being in Christ is not a barren state or an almost unreal positional truth as it's often presented. It is a vital, pulsating, functioning involvement. So being in Christ is not just, well, yeah, I know Christ. Being in Christ is something that changes us. Being in Christ is something that changes from the inside out. That's for all of us in this place. That's how different we're made. So then it says that we are made new and we're made new by Jesus. It's not something we did. It's not something we came up with. It's not how much better we got at something we're made new in Jesus. Now here's another thing that I saw that uh, Albert Barnes said this. He explains new as referring to all things in view of the mind. All things, the purposes of life, the feelings of the heart, the principles of action, all these become new. So it's every part of us becomes new. The way we think, act, play, respond, love our wives, love our children, all of that is made new in Christ. Now let me just put a little circa in this so we understand this. 
This is no matter what's happened in our life prior. This is no matter how much life stunk growing up in your home. This is no matter how lonely you've been, how tough you've been, how many times you've been fired, how many times your wife's left you. It's, it's beyond all of that. This is because of what Christ has done in your life, regardless of the circumstances. Are you hearing me? You there? Okay, let's move on. Now, here's the tough part, uh, but it's also such a relief. And this just goes on with what we just said. The power from this kind of change is not from our abilities. It's not from our self-discipline. It's not from anything we can do. That true power, that kind of freedom is, is a renewal that only the Holy Spirit of God can do in your life. That is God's man. That is what he desires from you. One more person, just because I loved what he said, and this is old school. You'll even be able to tell by the way it's worded, but Thomas Constable has an interesting comment on what is new and what is old in believers. He says this, obviously, there is both continuity and discontinuity that takes place at conversion, which is justification. It's when we come to Christ. So continuity is something that stays the same. Discontinuity is something that gets blown up. It gets changed. Here's what he goes on and says, we will have the same physical... Uh, I'm sorry, he says, Paul was not denying the continuity, the things that stay the same. We will have the same physical features, the basic personality, genetic constitution, parents, uh, susceptibility to temptation, sinful environment, etc. All these things don't change. However, he was stressing the elements of discontinuity, the things that would change in Christ, which is perspective, the way you look at things prejudices, the way you see people, circumstances, misconceptions, enslavements, those things change in Christ. God adds many new things at conversion, including new spiritual life, Holy Spirit, forgiveness, righteousness of Christ, as well as new viewpoints, the things that change in Christ. Now, let's move on. But don't miss this. Even though an unlimited amount of power from God is available, you just got to know it. And this is reality from walking with the Lord for a long time now. There will still be struggles. There will still be spots where we fail, where we mess up, where we miss the mark. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 gives us the way to handle this. Verse 7, 16 and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. The same Paul is saying this right here under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of the sinful desires. Now this last sentence is what gets me, and I think it says it so well in the New Living Translation. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free out to carry out your good intentions. There's a constant battle. I think we forget that, that, that Satan wants you to fail, that he wants you not to succeed as a father, and he wants you not to succeed as a husband. And we fall right in line with what that bait that he throws out way too often and I want to challenge you to be led by the Spirit and not by the way this world tries to take you under the leadership 
of Satan himself. Now, we know that Jesus ultimately wins. We know that without a fact. But for now, men, every day will be a challenge. Some days will be a struggle like you've never seen before. And if you haven't seen the tough days, you will. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we keep seeking. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we keep pressing our hearts and our minds toward Him. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we keep loving and encouraging and pressing and living an example as we do life with our families. We don't give up. So the battles land on the win side as many times as humanly possible. That is the goal for the Father. Here's real quick, number two, the places, we've, uh, the, the places where we've missed the mark don't have to define us. So many times we let that, whatever that was, that bad time, that bad decision, we let that define us for the rest of our lives. Remember, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are gone. Behold, I make all things new. He makes them different. Man, I want to share with you something that has changed my life, and it did this years ago. And I think it's a healthy realization for us. Just realize that we, we mess up. I mess up. I've messed up so many times. I've, I've, I've filled up so many pages of writing down stuff where I've blown it. Okay? I, I, I mess up. I miss the mark. I usually ask God to forgive me really quickly. It's just my nature. Because I can't stand a guilty conscience. I'm like, Lord, forgive me for that stupid thing that I just did. So I go back there really, really quickly. But I often, I just want you to hear me, I often fail to do that with my wife, and I often fail to do that with my kids. And that'll really mess you up. Because you need that there as well when we mess up we need to admit our wrong and seek their forgiveness maybe maybe i thought it would make me seem like i was weak if i didn't win in that situation but it was the wrong kind of win if you hear what i'm saying folks this needs to become part of who we are there's so much freedom in forgiveness when we've messed up and a lot of times i have found that it's the bigger guy that'll say you know what i messed up i messed up they that is where I was. That is where you were. But it doesn't have to be who I am. And it doesn't have to be who you are now or for your future. Get it right and go on. My dad tells me stories of, of his dad growing up. And my dad had a really good dad. But it was so clear that my dad wanted to change some things. That he wanted to do some things better. Which is a characteristic that even as I continue to get older as a dad, and my kids are, are old now, I want to do better with my kids. Not that I didn't have good, but I wanted to do better. And now that I'm able to admit these things with my kids, my good intentions kept getting me sidetracked. They were sidetracked by me. I love my kids. My struggles have always been the, uh, a natural tendency to be, and, and some of you guys in this room may be this guy. I was the rule guy. And as long as my kids kept the rules, as long as they kept the rules, then they thought that dad would not be upset and they would not get in trouble. So I became the rule guy. 
And I had an awesome balancer and a great godly wife. And I thank God for her every minute of my life. A gift from God. Pretty much after raising all three of my kids, I learned and remembered early in my ministry a quote that kind of haunts me to this day. Josh McDowell said it. Some of you have seen him in conference, and in, in some time of conference, or you've seen it on the video. And he said this. It's memorized now. He said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Well, I was the rule guy. So where did I naturally push my children? Make sense? Now I've learned that, you know what? There's a balance there. There's got to be rules. But there also has to be a relationship. Think about what Jesus has for us, man. He has rules. But what's his big focus with us? What does he want more than anything else from us? Relationship, because if we understand the relationship, then the rules will come natural. It's just the way we work as human beings. I have conversations to this day with my boys who are now grown men. Some of them married already. And I honestly, I apologize for the way that I led back then. And my hope and my prayer for them is they'll do it better. I want them to succeed as better dads. John Gordon tweeted this out literally this morning. He said, a father's prayer. God, I don't want my children to become what I want them to be. I want them to become everything you created them to be. You know what? That's exactly what I want for my children. That's exactly what I want for my grandchildren. That's what I want. That's what Christ wants for them. Here's the last thing, number three. God wants us to, God wants us to succeed in his plan for us. God wants us to win. He wants us to succeed in this. Uh, I want men to win. I want men to win because the kingdom wins when men win. When men do and live what God has called them to live. Not just because we like to win, but because God desires men to win. He didn't create us to fail. From Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 last week. I mean, not 20, uh, 10. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this. This is part of the good works he created us to do before we were ever created. Being a good and decent and godly father that presses your children towards him, Christ. That's what he called you to do. So, we can't just quit. The purpose we were created for is too important. Yes, to love our wives. Yes, to do our best to raise our children to love and honor the Lord. And yes, to make disciples starting in our home. That's what we're called to do. Charles Ryrie again said this, Remember that freedom in Christ is not the right to do as one pleases, but the power to please God by doing what is right. We're given freedom. That's the only way we can experience the love of Christ and, and trust Him the way we do is through freedom. But sometimes we take that freedom as just a freedom to do whatever we want to do. But our freedom is freedom to do what he's called us to do. That's the freedom that he's given us. And I'm just telling you, seeing men serving and teaching all week at VBS, I'm just, it did good for me to watch these men serving like that. I'll tell you something else that's done me really good lately. I've watched a few of our young men. I'm talking about uh, part of our bridge ministry, college and career ministry. I'm talking about some of our older high school students, some of our middle school students that are stepping up and leading. I'm talking about unashamed men of God. Because God 
has given you as men a purpose. Now, I don't want to bore you to death with a whole lot of uh, statistics on what happens when men lead the way they're supposed to lead, but I'm just going to let a few statistics kind of speak for themselves. The data is incredible. According to data collected by Promise Keepers, great organization, been there a bunch of times, love being a part of that, hate that it's not still going like it was, and the Baptist Press, okay, organization that we're connected with. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular church worshiper. Did you hear that? If a father does go regular, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. If a father attends church regularly, between half and two-thirds of the kids will attend church with some regularity as adults. You say, well, it's not just about going to church, but I'm hoping that going to church, they're going there to worship Jesus. That's what it's about. Now, here's another one. If a mother does not go to church, but a father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church. In contrast, if a father does not go to church, but a mother does, on average, two-thirds of their children will not attend church. Another study focused just on Sunday school. We'd call it life groups. It's where kids are in the second hour here. It's where a lot of us are on life groups Wednesday night, Sunday, and everything else. Here's what it says. When both parents attend Bible study, in addition to Sunday service, 72% of their children attend Sunday school when grown. When mom and dad both, 72%. When only the father attends Sunday school, 55% of children attend when grown. So 72% with both, 55% with just dad, when only mother attends Sunday school, 15% of their children will attend when they're grown. What? I, some kind of crazy influence. I'm just telling you, you matter. I'm just telling you, you matter. Not because you got some kind of magical ability or because you got it all together. But there's something to this. The statistics don't lie. When neither parent attends Sunday school, only 6% uh, will attend church after they're grown. One other survey found that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability that everybody in the house will follow. So if, if one kid comes to church through VBS, there is a 3.5% chance that everybody else in that family will, will come to follow Jesus. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there's a 17% probability that everybody else in the household will follow. So what happens if the man is the first one to come to Christ? The one that God called to be the leader of the home, what happens then? If the father is first, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. If you think you don't matter, Satan's already got you exactly where he wants you. You matter. You matter. John Newton said this, our work is great, our time is short, the consequences of our labors are infinite. So men, don't quit. If you're stuck back in a corner, get out of that corner. Maybe stay in that corner for a second, repent before the Lord, then crawl out of there by the power of the Holy Spirit. And don't give up. 
go for the win. Here's three things to take with you as you go. The new man that God desires to use is this. He doesn't sit back and let his family go to church. He leads them there himself. And I'm not just talking about going to a building. I'm talking about leading spiritually. Here's another one. He doesn't just pray if asked by his family to pray at a meal. That's what I'm talking about. He prays for and he prays with his family. He leads in that area. The last one is this. He takes care of his family financially and physically, even emotionally. But his priority is his relationship first with his God and second with his family. And those two bleed over together. He makes time for his family. He makes time for games, school, school shows, athletic events, because his family is a priority in his life. Man, we've got a job to do, and we've got a God who's called us to do it, and we're supposed to live that, and it makes all the difference in the world for eternity. I don't know. I don't understand all the dynamics of it. I'm just reading what's happened, and let's make a difference. Let's make a difference. I want you to stand to your feet. Our worship team's coming right now. I want to challenge men in a special way. And I'm talking about from the youngest kid or teenager that's in this room to the oldest grandfather that's in the room to the one that's got six, seven children to the one that's never had a child and may never have a child. But your influence matters. God has given you a purpose in this life. It's the man that he desires you to be. He doesn't want to take away your madness. He wants you to shine for him. Man, if you know Christ and you're not living the life that God has called you to do to make a difference in your family, I want to challenge you to find yourself at this altar this morning and ask the Lord to do what he needs to in your life so that you can be and do, exist, Make the difference that he's called you to. I want you to do that. You can even come right now, even before we're through right here. For some of you in this room, though, you say, Ross, I'm not there yet. I don't, I don't know Christ. I'm not sure. Well, that's okay, too. Because that's where Christ wants you today. If you've never trusted Christ, he wants you to repent of your sins, the things that you know that breaks his heart. He wants you to trust him by grace through faith alone in Christ alone will help you get there today. If he's working on your heart, I want you to know it. Some of you ladies in this room, some of you just need to come and you want to pray for your husbands that God will make them that person they need to be, to live and to be the man that God's called them to be in your home. Father, we need you. Father, as men, you know we cannot do this without you. We've got nothing to give but in you. We are new creatures, cre creations. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray.